Hello, my name's John Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. There's certainly been some hype surrounding UK stocks in recent months, on the back of the rotation from growth to value. But are these opportunities a genuine long-term play or merely a dash for trash? I spoke with Chris Sinjin, manager of the AXA Framlington UK Midcap Fund, to find out what opportunities he's seeing in the market. In which sectors are you seeing the best opportunities within FTSE mid-caps? Um, yeah, when, when investing in mid-cap, I don't tend to focus on the sectors uh, themselves. I don't have any um, restrictions in terms of the sector weightings. Um, but what I am interested in is the sort of secular and corporate thematics. Uh, and that really um, is one of the drivers of how I get to investment ideas rather than the sectors themselves. So uh, from a secular perspective, it might be something like increasing uh, increasingly connected consumers, for example, uh, changing lifestyles with age, automotion, and the increase in uh, clean tech, for example, which are big, uh, well-established, long-term secular drivers of economies and businesses. I'm also interested in identifying corporate themes, which tend to be driven out of the many company meetings I have. Um, And that would include things like uh, what I call service, service, service. That's one example of many. And that really is just trying to understand the service levels offered by a business and how they differentiate through service in a world where price transparency is um, incredibly high. So I don't really think about sectors. Having said that, in the recent past, there have been some investment themes that I think the market has been very interested in, uh, and opening up trades would be one of those. As um, as 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 the economy opens up, you know, who are the beneficiaries? Um, and with that, with that in mind, um, you know, I've invested in a company called Restaurant Group, which owns, amongst other uh, brands, Wagamama's. Um, now, I do take the view on opening up trades that uh, if if it was a company you wouldn't invest in in 2019, then why are you investing in it now? You know what's changed either to the business or the end markets, and and that is a business that has demonstrably improved its profitability uh, through reshaping its portfolio, refinancing the balance sheet, and it's operating in an industry where. Uh, around 20% of capacity has has come out. So, so, so as a specific stock, that is of interest, but it's much more for me about where those corporate thematics, where those opportunities are from an economic perspective rather than sector. And perhaps you can illustrate a few more stock examples via some of the themes you're seeing at the moment. Um, yes, I suppose uh, other thematics would include... Um, um, yeah, so from a service perspective, those companies are offering high service levels, something like Ashted Group, for example, they're a long-term holding of the fund. This is a company that operates plant fire, particularly in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Uh, construction industry typically, uh, if you look back at history, has owned its fleet of uh, things like diggers and dumpers, just, just to sort of contextualize it rather than rented them. Um, what we've seen in the U.S. is incremental uh, renting of equipment, particularly since the global financial crisis, I think you know an industry uh, um, like construction, where the operating margins are very low and where the capital intensity of owning equipment is very high, uh, I think they realise that actually renting equipment is a is a is a better way of operating. How attractive do you think the UK market is over the the longer term? Obviously, 
there's a bit of hype surrounding the UK market at the moment. Um, are you concerned there's a bit of a dash for trash going on? Well, I'm focused pr- predominantly outside the mega cap, so I'll just start that with a proviso. Now, if you look at the mid-cap space of the markets, and I think really I'm using this to illustrate the point about the effect of businesses um, uh, and the interest I have in businesses that are increasing their economic output. If you look at the mid-cap space, I think it is an area of great interest, as are similar businesses. If you look back over the last 10 years, your annualized return in that part of the market is nearly 9.5%. And it's the same if you look over 20 years, and it's around 11% if you look over 30 years. So there is evidence looking back that this is an interesting area of the market. Mid-cap companies are of interest. Now, what has driven that? I would argue it's the underlying increase in economic output. And if you look back to 2001, the net income generated by the mid-cap index was $5.5 billion, and that's risen to the end of 2019 up to $22.5 billion. So there's quite a correlation between the earnings growth of that cohort of companies and the equity returns uh, that you've had. I mean, in terms of dash for trash, it's, not, um, it's a term I try and uh, steer clear of. Um, uh, typically, at turning points in the economy, and we've had one of those uh, really from November last year in 2020 when Pfizer came out and said that they had uh, developed a vaccine for COVID-19 that was strongly uh, efficacious. And as a consequence of that, global growth for a whole a variety of reasons has picked up dramatically and certainly the expectation of that growth. So when you get turning points in the economy, which really I think if you had to pin it down would be November uh, last year, you, those companies typically with high operational and fin- operational gearing and financial leverage tend to outperform those with stronger balance sheets and businesses that are less cyclical, and we're more exposed um, to the latter, uh, businesses that perform very well when uh, the effects of COVID were being felt most acutely, but then those are the businesses as a consequence that don't bounce back quite as quickly when the economy picks up. Now, what can happen in those circumstances uh, where you have stronger balance sheets, where your businesses are less cyclical, that can lead to periods of relative um, underperformance. Uh, But typically, um, absolute performance is very strong at those moments in time, and that indeed has been the case over the last uh, several months. The question I ask myself, though, is once this has happened, once you've had the recovery of these cyclical stocks, are the same problems still there that led them to be companies that you deemed to be not worthy of investment and potentially in terminal decline before? And I think what we'll find is when this initial economic recovery happens, the same problems will reveal themselves and ex-growth businesses uh, typically will then, I think, continue to depreciate their economic output and as a consequence, the value of those businesses will erode over time. Let's drill down into the key risks that you are seeing over the next year. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would count some uh, the biggest risk, COVID, I think it has to remain that and really that is do economies remain locked down 
uh, are they opened up? How quickly are they opened up? And and uh, does it happen on an international basis? Uh, clearly, that has a big effect on uh, you know leisure, travel, retail, those sort of businesses where the congregation of people are uh, very important. Inflation is being talked about a lot at the moment. Um, short term versus long term inflation uh, expectations are being debated by many. We're seeing when we speak to businesses uh, a lot of short term supply chain disruption and increasing demand, and that is leading to certain pinch points and uh, inflation. We've got even slightly strange things happening, like the price of secondhand cars going up at the moment. Um, we've got issues with uh, builders getting hold of sand and getting hold of timber. Um, now, I think these these are the sorts of um, issues that will resolve themselves over time, uh, but nevertheless, they are inflationary for the short term. And, and, and my major concern around this really is whether or not inflation becomes entrenched, but moreover, whether central banks intervene and that intervention results in a policy error. So I would say COVID, speed of, lo- uh, of opening up and or lockdown, and the effects uh, and behaviour of central banks in response to inflation, two big risks. I wanted to look at movements in your portfolio since the pandemic started last March. Um, what have you ditched in your portfolio since then? Um, predominantly, the companies are sold. I mean, those companies that have been promoted to the FTSE 100. This is uh, talking about the mid-cap fund. When companies get promoted, I typically use that capital to invest elsewhere. Uh, so companies like uh, Phoenix, uh, Avast, which is in cybersecurity, DCC, which is a distribution company, uh, and Rightmove, I've sold. Uh, there have been a lot of M&A in the markets, um, we have benefited to some degree. Uh, Codemasters, which is a uh, games company, they have the Formula One uh, franchise, uh, was taken over by EA Sports, and we've recently had bids, some of which are being considered by the business, and some have been turned down for uh, San, uh, some Modwin, a property company in Vectura, um, which is uh, in the pharmaceutical um, uh, sector. Uh, other things I've sold, SSP Group, um, my concerns are around travel. I sold that fairly early on in the uh, crisis, but actually held on to my holding in WH Smith. So I think that's a more interesting business from a US investment perspective. And indeed, that's one I've uh, added to as well. Could you explain why, what, what's happening in the US with WH Smith? So th- this is a business that, um, I mean, it's well known for its high street stalls in the UK. Um, and it's and it's um you also find it shops in um hospitals for example but also airports and they have um increased their exposure to the U- US airport market through a couple of acquisitions getting more into uh, the technology side so, you know offering uh, whatever it may be you know headphones uh you know speakers um um uh, that sort of thing the the and what they've been doing in the downturn is taking increasing market share. Now, you know, we're not going to see the beneficiary, the benefit of that currently, but as the global um, air, uh, travel market opens up, then they're very, very well positioned to benefit from that. I think it's a great example of business that's been building their uh, capacity 
in the downturn and will benefit as and when the world returns to some sort of uh, normality. And the U.S. market is, uh, I, th- I think it's 70 to 80% is domestic U.S. internal flights. So it isn't reliant to the same degree as other businesses uh, who can rely on international travel more. Could you highlight some of the other stocks that you've been buying in your portfolio since the start of the pandemic? Um, yeah, we've the, as I said before, the IPA market's been pretty buoyant. We have taken um, a number of IPOs, including Moonpig, which uh, people may have heard of and, and indeed may have used. Uh, this is a business that allows you, uh, using an online portal uh, or through its app, to, uh, to, to within reason to design and send a card, uh, a, a greeting card or a birthday card or a card to your, your, your goddaughter or godson. Um, this is a, a company that's benefiting from a, from a couple of drivers uh, or a number of drivers. One is the increased propensity to spend online um, on cards. Now, interestingly, when cards are given, uh, in the traditional sense, 72% of the time they're given with a present. Um, and what Moonpig has started doing uh, fairly recently and certainly started increasing their exposure to this is the gifting side. So uh, supplying and offering gifts with the cards. The, the attachment rate currently is 16%. So 16% of people who buy a card on Moonpig will also buy a present for that person on uh, Moonpig as well. And the hope is that that increases over time up. Who knows what number it can get to, but certainly well in excess of 16%. And the gifts, typically, the monetary value is much higher than a card. A card actually has pretty good gross margins, but the cash gross margins of, a, of a, an attached gift are much, much higher. So, so you know, increased penetration of online, increased attachment of cards as gifts with the cards. And over time, and this this will be further down the road, internationalization of the business as well. They've got a business in Holland uh, called Greets and a, a nascent business in the US and Australia as well. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, absolute pleasure.